Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Being comfortable with an unknown future is the place where we need to be. So it's how do I make decisions with low levels of information? How do I get comfortable with that? How do I get comfortable with failing? Because if you have low levels of information, you have to make the decisions. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's Strength in the Numbers. Now, this week, we've invited back a previous guest mentor, Talita Ferreira. And for those of you that might recall Talita, She's had an amazing career as a CFO and also as a Chief Human Resources Officer and has led or inspired finance leaders and teams and professionals and inspired change across many different global brands in multiple industries. The timing of this catch-up conversation with Talita couldn't be better because straight away we get into talking about the importance of post-COVID-19 leadership transformation and Talita shares with us her hypothesis, which is a great initiative where she interviews many different leaders from many different backgrounds to get underneath the attributes of great leaders. And actually on this episode, she shares five of those. Also really important, Talita goes through seven shifts she sees emerging to help us traverse this post-pandemic period. And towards the end, particularly in these times where there's not a lot of cash or budgets to go around, Talita shares with, with us ways on how we can perhaps get that investment in this post-pandemic period so we keep investing in training developing not just our current finance professionals but also our professionals and leaders of tomorrow so look hope you also enjoy this episode if you do you can check out the timestamp show notes key quotes and ways to connect with talita at sitnshow.com and we always appreciate when you recommend the show to friends and colleagues you can subscribe on all the major platforms iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube and Spotify and as always really appreciate you tuning in today. So that's enough from me so without further ado over to Talita and the show. So Talita welcome back. Thank you Andrew I'm so happy to be here with you. It's great for us to have you back on the show and I always enjoy our conversation so I think it's awesome that you agreed that we actually record one of our conversations for uh, for a change because you've been working on a few things I'd love to share those with our audience as well but first off you know I'll ask you how are you doing? I'm good Andrew of course COVID brings let's say challenges to any entrepreneur but I'm very good as I see it as a real opportunity to develop something new to do something new to challenge myself more and uh, yes, so all around very good. Thank you. Great to hear. And You know, one thing I thought uh, you were doing during this period, which I think is awesome, and I'd love if you could download it a bit for our audience on it, is the, the leadership hypothesis that you're taking forward, which is awesome for us. Now, rather than me explain it, because you've been interviewing all these fantastic leaders, could you maybe sort of share with our audience you know, what that involves and, and um, how that's been going? So during COVID, I had a time to just, during the lockdown, to sit 
down and think, where is it that I want to have my impact and how do I think it's been going? Uh, because it's now been almost three years since I left my corporate job. Oh, it has been three years. I'm in the fourth year and time flies. And I thought of it that it was like trying to convince finance professionals that soft skills, leadership skills, teamship is really important. Felt a little bit like pushing a very heavy boulder up a very steep mm. hill. And because I felt it was just my voice that I was trying to, from my experiences, from other mentors, coaches that I know, from all the mentees that I've had over the many years or coaches. And I started to think, how can I help people understand? Because I really feel that post-COVID, the whole leadership transformation, uh, personal transformational dimension is going to be so much more important. So it was, how can I convince people of this, but without trying to convince them? Yeah. And I decided perhaps a leadership sh series about just asking, you know, this great, this hypothesis, what makes a great leader and hearing different people's perspectives from their own experiences and what motivates and inspires them will help us to unlock some of these real questions around great leaders. And I don't want to spoil anything, but it's been exactly in line with the thoughts that I had before. And I wanted to not just ask thought leaders or ask people with influence. I also wanted to just ask general finance people in finance roles or in analytical roles um, where they use a lot of their specialism. What makes a great leader for you? And I think that there are definitely common threads coming up. And uh, yes, yeah, so it's very exciting doing the interviews, hearing what everyone's answers are, and then drawing the parallels to see, is there a common thread? I, I, th I think it's great. And I, th I love the initiative because what you're doing is you're interviewing, asking great questions. You know, you're, you're truly, I, I volunteered as well and uh, I absolutely enjoyed the experience. I, that's why I can you know, definitely say great conversation, great questions. So, and you say when it's all sort of up there and available, I, I encourage people to follow it too. But you also made it, ava made it available to people so that they can go follow it, check it out and, and learn as well with the rest of us. I suppose, what are the key themes that you're picking out around what makes great leaders uh, to lead from those interviews? The key themes are really having a vision, having a purpose, inspiring people, having higher emotional intelligence, self-awareness. I would say those are the most recurring themes that are there. If I just had to pick a few, those are the most recurring themes. And it's already available. I launch a trailer every week. So what I mean by a trailer is without giving an email address or anything, you can see the short video. So generally the interviews are around 30 to 40 minutes. And I then create a, a short trailer video, which is between seven and eight minutes, which were kind of the highlights or what really stood out for me when I'm re-looking at the video. So I cut that and you can access that on www.globalleadershiphypothesis.com. And then if you want to see anything else, like the full interview, or you want to download the transcripts, or you want to download the voice file and listen to it wherever you are, or whenever, wherever you're on the go, you can do that too. Then you would go into a learning platform. It's just much easier to keep it in a learning platform, and then you'd have to enter your email address. I think I've already done close to 20 interviews now, and I've launched seven trailers. That's awesome. And I love the fact that you've got the trailers as well, because for those, again, in a rush for you know, finance, probably like a lot of teams are super busy. Uh, it's great that we can get an immediate download. And if we want to know further, I'll put all those links that you just mentioned into the show notes as well. So again, our audience can navigate to it easily. So, so Lisa, thanks for that. I, I suppose, look, um, you know, obviously we, we did the, the interview on the series together. What was the sort of the best 
answer the one that resonated most with you your your sort of your values that you think our audience would benefit from what was one of the a good lesson that someone shared with you you know something that i learned really a lot later in my career was the importance of purpose and i just tell a, a little bit of a story i went to a training run by sam collins in in the city of london many many years ago probably 12 12 13 years ago and she asked a very impactful question she asked what is your leadership purpose? And I must say that was the most impactful question that anyone had ever asked me in my life because it actually started the journey of me not just being a finance professional. I was leading HR at the time and I, of course, um, you, you know the history, I didn't want to lead HR as a controller, so I really invested my time to understand and understand what drives that dimension and now you know that's more of my passion than finance is, but my passion is really to help finance people see that. You know, her asking that question unlocked my entire future. I think it's a very important question to ask yourself, what is your leadership purpose when you're a leader? So, and it's not about the job you're doing. It's not about, of course, the answer could be to add value to the organization. But I think it's a question that digs quite deep. And if one does the work to dig deep and find the answer, I think it becomes very, very impactful. So some people in the interviews are actually asking about that. I had absolutely, totally forgot about how impactful that question had been. And as my second interview, I interviewed the coach who's been very, very helpful in my making that transition from corporate life to entrepreneurial. And I, I don't think I would have ever left corporate life if it hadn't been for her. She really uh, specializes in fear and how you bust fear. So, and, and I think I spoke, I spoke about her on, on previous interviews, but she reminded me in our interview, she, I don't know what she asked me, but it reminded me of that moment. And, you know, if you're asking what was most powerful for me, it was to bring that back into my consciousness to understand how important that had really been and to share with other leaders that, you know, a powerful question asked somewhere in your career can make such a great difference. And I think it's this one about what your leadership purpose is. And of course, it won't be as impactful for everyone. You know, it might not take everyone on the same journey. That was really what stood out for me during this interview series. I think it's a great question. And I think it comes back to, you know, how, how do we jump out of bed in the morning with, with loads of energy? I think it's really understanding that purpose that we're, we're driving towards. And, you, you know, you get a great purpose, great reasons that lead to great results. So if you want to have great results in your career within finance or any endeavor outside of finance or whatever, it's got to come back to knowing your purpose and having a great purpose that's going to excite you enough to, to want to put the energy behind it. So that's a great answer. I look, I look forward to catching up on a few more of the series as well to, to, to distill, uh, you know, to, to even help my own uh, career a bit. <laughs> Thanks, yes. Talita. Um, I, I I just, Andrew, coming back to that, that I think what it does is when you're very clear about your purpose, that's when it's very easy to inspire other people. Yeah. And I think that's the difference. So lots of people have in the interview said purpose, clear vision, clear direction. And I think once you're really clear in yourself, that's when people are willing to follow and when you're sharing that. Yeah, I think, I think that's a really good point. I think clarity is key actually on that one because um, if, if you think about it, how do people know how best what you're about or you know what what's worth following or if you're not clear yourself um so i suppose it starts with with yourself first and then you know people will get behind it if if it's a worthy vision worth following right definitely
Definitely. And, and actually, there were some other things, uh, key things that I think you've been distilling, but uh, through your, your career and, and your interviews, I, th- I think you've sort of called these sort of seven shifts towards mastery. I mean, what's all that about? You know, listening to all the interviews and then looking back on, you know, my own experiences and the work that I've been doing with companies, I think there are really seven things that we need to focus on, especially post-pandemic world. And the first thing is mindset. Massive big tick. If you don't have a growth positive mindset and you're always just looking to historics, what did I do before? And you can't grow yourself. I think that will absolutely uh, limit your career. And it's it's understanding to have that mass, uh, that mindset of I can self-develop. I think the, the absolute breakthrough thing. And it's focusing on from the inside out. So I said emotional intelligence, self-awareness, those are the things that, that are really coming up time and time again. As you said a moment ago, understanding more of yourself and then leading from that place. If I understand myself, then I can go out there and then I can actually convince others. So leading from the inside out is the second one. I think individualization and connected relationships. There's so many people that ask me, if I become a business partner, how do I create influence? How do I you know, build relationships? And it's all about seeing people as individuals, seeing their unique talents, yeah. um, seeing what they're good at. It, it very much fits with your strengths-based approach. It's understanding who are the individuals who work for me and creating connected relationships. And those connected relationships are very much about what you and I have always been discussing and has come up in previous podcasts. It's about understanding how to walk a moment in someone else's shoes, not to judge instantaneously, to know your biases, all of those things. You can't have connected relationships if you just react all the time. So that would be my shift number three. The shift number four is interesting. It's all about continuous team development. I think the one thing that I also learned quite late and that I see a lot of other people, when they master it really early, it makes a very big difference. Your team is not there just to do work with. So, you know, if you think about just a classic um, meetings with your team in the office, most of those teams, team meetings will be around, you know, where are we with what we need to achieve? Where are we with what we need to do as outcomes? What's holding us back from the outcomes? But I think if you really want a high performing team, what needs to become part of the day to day interaction of what you do is really developing that team as a collective cohesive. And it's that How do I make that as a finance professional when it's not my comfort zone? How do I make that part of my day-to-day activities? And that's that shift. You know, if you can make that developing the team almost like part of your ecosystem of what you do, that's how you unlock the performance. Definitely. I, 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 I could agree. I'm actually smiling because we're sort of trying some technology to do that. I think um, you know, we're growing accepted Microsoft Teams, actually. So the team gets visibility of a comms page as well. And it, it's developing a common communication platform for the team. One idea that came out from the team was these, um, it's a bit like Top Trump. So those sort of sticker cards you used to get for soccer that you put in those collection books is sort of having those... Um, how do you say, what people are trying to develop towards, what their strengths are, not necessarily scoring them like the top trumps, but just calling them out so that people are encouraged or visible, like this person's good at this skill or has this strength and uh, this person's looking to develop in this area. It's a novel or interesting way of them introducing to each other within the team, but also to others outside the team as well. So we're interested to see where that one goes. But that was, I think, follows on the team. It's about team development. Definitely. It's, a, it's about the team development, but 
developing them as a high performing collective. You know, because I think it's so easy to, when you have the team time, just to talk about work. And actually, it, one needs to flip that. Most of the interaction when you're bringing the team together on a day-to-day -day basis needs to be the development of the team. You know, brainstorming together, unlocking creativity together, unlocking innovation, whatever it is, but not just talking about work. Um, the fifth one is, is interesting, is, is the culture of trust. You know, it's, it's making sure that you've built that culture of trust within the team that people know what behaviors support trust, which behaviors don't, that people feel safe to say what they think. Of course, there are many companies who still have quite hierarchical corporate cultures. And I think it's important to break those hierarchies down and to create the cultures where people feel that they can bring their whole self to work. I think that's something that also resonates a lot with you, Andrew. And so culture of trust is immensely important. And number six is anticipating an unknown future. I do a lot of training for director level at the Institute of Directors on leadership and strategy. And honestly, being comfortable with an unknown future is the place where we need to be. So it's how do I make decisions with low levels of information? How do I get comfortable with that? How do I get comfortable with failing? Because if you have low levels of information, you have to make the decisions. Seeing around corners, there's a really great book, How Do I See Around Corners for Strategy? Because that's what you need to be able to do. You have to see around a corner and, and we can't because we don't have the sight to see around a corner. So it's how do we get comfortable with, with creating a future where we can't really see what will be important. And I think post-pandemic, that is so important for teams to understand how can we be agile? How can we make mistakes and be comfortable? How can I, as a leader, make decisions with very low levels of information? And in the seventh one, I actually did the six steps and then I added the seventh one uh, later. Uh, I added the seventh one after I was involved in a responsible leaders network meeting. I'm part of the Herbert Quant Foundation, part of the um, responsible leaders network around the world. And what that is, is leaders who want to make a difference in society, in environment. So you have a lot of uh, social entrepreneurs who are part of it and people who just um, believe in the importance of uh, looking at things in a holistic way. And so I added, I'm still thinking about what, what, how I should name it, but it's something around being a responsible, conscious leader. And the consciousness there is the consciousness, not just around profit, but also around planet, um, environment, social responsibility. There's a lot of ESG governance reporting that's yes. coming out for boards. And it's all about, you know, what is the social impact that you have? What is the environmental impact that you have? And I honestly believe if we fast forward, if we look at how millennials view the world, they view the world very, very differently. And I think purpose will become more and more important. And especially now post-pandemic world, very, very important. So it's giving leaders the ability to start seeing the connections on, you know, how can I as finance also advise the business to do more socially responsible or environmentally responsible things? Because very often that might shift the business case. A hundred percent, actually. Talking on business case, we have a great role to play in that in finance. We're very good at distilling financial information to support key decisions. We've got that broad visibility. Generally, within our organizations, I encourage us to maybe peek a bit further out into sort of the broader society and environmental impacts as well. And actually, even back to your, your shift six there, Talisha, that is what finance is about. If you look at accounting as the, the fact of recording or accounting for historical transactions finance is the bit about the future forward the, the future forward-looking piece 
which is how do we take all that information and make better decisions towards the future? How can we use that to finance a better future, an uncertain and ambiguous future? So, you know, we're very well positioned to, you know, jump on these shifts uh, towards mastery. So again, I think we definitely can contribute to that in finance and accounting, Talita. Now, I'm not going to let you away. You mentioned the word business case here, right? And in these post-pandemic times, CFOs, you know, have to prioritize their spend, budgets are compressed. You know, when it comes to investing in these sort of shifts and, and developing teams and whatever, are there any sort of ways that we can approach our CFO when we're looking for such investments that might be more effective? I believe that we should show that we're willing to invest personally. There's also this one great sentence, you know, how should a board director be? And the answer is entrepreneurial. And I love the entrepreneurial because it means I need to actually treat this business like it's my own. And it's a bit easier for me to understand now that I am an entrepreneur, what that really means. But I think where I want to go with this is, I think if, if your CFO sees that you're willing to invest personally, I think they would be more positive about thinking about it. And, and I'm, just, I'm just thinking of along the following line. So in my career, there were a couple of times where I really wanted something, perhaps on a personal development level, and the company wasn't in the right place to do it. And then what I did is I said, do I really feel so uh, passionate about this that I would do it myself? And I would invest that because I believe investing in yourself is one of the most important things that you can do. And so I would find a way to invest in myself and then go back with the answers and say, this is what it will really help us to do if we invest in it. This was the outcomes and this is how I'm translating it to my team. So I think it's a little bit with almost like that putting your money where your mouth is type of thing and looking at it, you know, if you just come to an organization and you say, I want team development, I want personal development, I want this and I want the company to pay for it. Yes, I think that's one way. But if we look at things now, there are so many subscription offerings around where you can for low amounts a month trial something and you can cancel. And I think there are ways where we can use some of that to develop our teams and then go and say, we've had these outcomes from doing it. We can show we've tried this. And I think crowdfunding, that's another thing. Um, you know, um, how can you crowdfund something? And then I think show some impacts and some change and then convince them based on what's already happened. And then I think that's the way to go. Of course, it's not going to go and work for everything. It's not going to work for the big ticket items. And I think on the big ticket items, it's to my number seven point. I think we need to start showing other impacts. Impacts yes. on society, impacts on purpose, impacts on more conscious leadership. And then maybe people will be convinced that it's not just one dimensional. It's something that's multidimensional. It's more important. I like uh, how you included those, those environmental and social impacts at the end. As much as you know, we talk a lot about the numbers, it's also beyond the numbers in some aspects as well. So there's more than that. So, so Talita, that's great insight. Now, before you go, I, I always love your, your book recommendations or resource recommendations. Um, I actually recently reread one of the books you recommended me and the show, which was uh, The Nine Lies About Work. Uh, are there any sort of other books you're reading at the moment that uh, maybe our audience should go check out? That Seeing Around Corners one was really, really good. Uh, there were just so many tips in there. 
it's Rita McGrath. She wrote it. Okay. I, for a minute, I couldn't remember the author. But you can also, you know, one also doesn't, nowadays, one doesn't just need to read. One can just go on Google and then you can also listen to her because I listened to one of her podcasts before I bought the book. And she gives a lot of tips and then I wanted to know more. The Seeing Around Corners was really good. I just need a minute to check the other book. <laughs> Five Languages of Appreciation. Oh, that's a new one. That's a new one. In the Workplace. That's Gary Chapman and Paul White. They were famous for writing the book Languages of Love. So, oh, um, right. you know, if you have a partner, how do you understand each other's language of how you love? Because some people, you know, really, there are five languages. It blew my mind. <laughs> different languages of love. But the great thing is they adapted it for business and they adapted it for how do you appreciate people in the workplace? And just reading it, they've based it on loads of research, which is always, you know, lovely for my analytical mind. I love the research. What happened uh, with, with this book when I read it is I realized that I'd underappreciated so many people and I had gotten it so wrong so many times. So I think it's definitely something if, you, if you're a leader of a team is to think about what are those languages of appreciation and to ask people how they like to be appreciated. I think that's, that's the key. That um, sounds awesome. I'm, I'm reading that this weekend. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a good Thanks, thanks, Alicia, for that one. I might, I might also do the languages of love as well. I think I could maybe brush up there. No harm to keep those skills uh, up to date as well. <laughs> yes, and it's, it's quite interesting. You know, it's not just about a partner. It's about your children as well because you're yes. using your love languages. And if, if, if you don't understand your love language and you don't understand the opposing person's uh, love language, I think you can sometimes get lost in translation. Yeah, yeah, completely. And I think I think that's another thing as a parent. It's it's that, and again, it's the same, same similar to a leader in work. It's leading by example. You know, show people the way. Um, if they want to follow it, great. But at least you're doing your best and you're showing them the way. I suppose. Look, would you, you know, in terms of wrapping up again, always enjoy our conversations. Would you have any parting thoughts for our audience? Um, my parting thought is really, I think companies will not be investing so much in leadership development in the next couple of years, just because there will be probably other priorities. The smart ones probably will, but the not so smart ones probably not. Who knows what pressures they face? I also don't want to judge. But I would say the, the biggest thing that makes the biggest difference in most of the CFOs and finance professionals' careers that I see is when they invest in their own self-development. And nowadays with how things are and with what one can find and online, I would really make sure that I always, always prioritize my development. Yeah. And, and again, in, in terms of uh, your, yourself, Talita, if our audience wish to continue the conversation, where's the best place to connect with you at? On LinkedIn, they can connect with me on LinkedIn and also on my website, Authenticity Resolved. And yes, I'm looking forward to help driving and help inspiring finance professionals to really see the value in developing themselves and developing those team and leadership skills. Awesome. Well, well Talisha, as always, thanks again for such a great conversation. Always enjoy them. Um, I hope our audience has enjoyed them as much as I have as well. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on the show again. Thank you so much, Andrew, for having me. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter. 
which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. And when all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers. 